The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 236 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. Great to be back in the United States of America. Had a fun few couple days in London, uh, but unfortunately, the one negative of being overseas during playoff baseball is you can't really watch it. Um, Up until yesterday where I watched a good chunk of the Rangers and the Orioles game, but once they went up 11, or once they went up 9-2, I turned that off. Uh, The only playoff baseball I had watched was in the airport at JFK Tuesday, which was the Blue Jays-Twins game one. Um, So I was catching up while recording these notes as well. Um, A pretty unexciting first round of the playoffs. Um, I I mean, Bryce, what do you think the BovadaSportsbook.com odds would have been for all four division series rounds, or excuse me, wild card series rounds, to all end in a sweep. We probably could have gotten a pretty good juice on that. Yeah, I mean, I just bet what I said last week on the pod. I took my four picks, and that paid out, I, I want to say, like somewhere around 15 to 1. So I'm sure if you took sweeps, it would be a little higher than that, just on principle. Uh, if you got these specific teams on a sweep, you're probably looking at closer to 50 to 1. Yeah, selfishly it was selfishly it was great for me because I didn't miss much baseball. Like Tuesday, I was kind of um, in at the airport. I had Wi-Fi on the flight, so I was able to follow. And then the games were done Wednesday, so Thursday, Friday, I didn't need to worry about being up weird hours to watch in the playoffs. One of us puts in effort for the show, Chase. So I was watching all the games, taking I tech, but really, really the only. I mean, we'll t- we'll touch on it. There one I texted you about one particular play. There was one play that stood out to me as the defining moment of those of that wild card round. And can I just do it now. Old reliable, old man Longo, still getting it done. Yeah, I think I phrased it in our t- in my text to you as we may have just seen the last great play of Evan Longoria's career. Who, to be honest, I half the time, maybe more, actually all the time, I don't really think about the Diamondbacks. I forgot he was there. So Evan Longoria, I actually have him in tweets of the week twice. Um, there's a player this week that joined him as the third player all time to homer in each of their first two career playoff appearances. It was Longo, Gary Gaetti, and this player. Um, Longo now also has five career birthday RBIs, the most in postseason history. I mean, I I, I have a birthday. You you do have a birthday. Um, usually unless you're born on February 29th in a leap year, you have a birthday every year for those people. They only have it every four years and it sucks to be them. Um, congratulations are in order too. um, this is not baseball related, but one of the two of us, and it sure as shit was not me, um, cashed out for like $2,500 yesterday on Bavada on the NFL. So round of applause to you. Yeah, I had this whole new, I mean, ha- I'm, I'm- uh, this is my flu game. I'm not feeling 100 percent today, but you know, gotta gotta fight through for the show. Uh, yesterday well, morning, I got a you know, you know, what could, you know, it could probably help you with that <laughs> the money. <laughs> yeah, that, it, it's not. It doesn't hurt. Uh, pretty much, I, I woke up. I looked at the NFL games. Took ten of them. It's 
I, I never bet against the spread. I'm usually just a money line guy when it comes to football. But yesterday, I was maybe I was a little sick, so I just took some lines, some unders. Uh, next thing you know, I got twenty seven hundred bucks in the bank. It was uh, it was God's way of saying um, redemption for the city of Pittsburgh and what they did to us a couple weeks ago. Pretty much, uh, my whole new theory on it, it's pretty much you just wake up and as long as you hit the right button, it, it, it's it's just hitting the right button on your phone and then hitting submit. Like, it's not that. There's no real science behind it. So all that said, now that you're flux, uh, flush with cash, um, you're going to attend an event with me Thursday. Um, I'll go step by step. I won't take too long on it because, you know, we do have a lot of baseball to talk about. But um, it's at Radio City Music Hall. It's a good venue. So far, so good. Tickets are like 60 bucks, so not overly expensive. That's tough timing for me to cry for. Um, yeah, so like if I could do it, you could do it. Um, it involves the recording of a podcast. We love podcasts. We listen to a lot of podcasts. Is outside. this a live rewatchables? It is not a live rewatchables, but it is a live recording of our favorite gang doing their podcast. Oh, the Always Sunny Show? You're in. Yeah, I'm in. All right, we'll discuss more off air on the tickets, but uh feels like we can knock a few back and have some fun. And I have to think in New York, DeVito's coming. Does he, I mean, I don't listen to the I don't listen to their podcast, but I mean that's the best show. Those guys are the best. If nothing else, we get to see them in person and just hear the three of them make fun of each other for two hours. Which is fun. It's worth my price of admission. Um anyway. Uh, let's go into our Bavada picks of the week. Uh, two games today. It is the division series round. So some spoilers here. Um, uh, Phillies Braves, which to me, honestly, is the matchup of the playoffs. Like whatever postseason matchup we get from here and anything, unless it's a world series rematch, um, is inadequate to this, but it's well, game- which world series rematch Astros, Astros Dodgers, Astros Phillies or Astros Braves. Good Lord. Um, the one from last year, I'm going to say. <laughs> Astros been through a lot of road series lately. Yeah. Uh, so it's Phillies Braves, Wheeler on the mound for the Phillies, Freed on the mound for the Braves, plus one and a half, minus 162, plus 136 for the Phillies, minus one and a half, plus 134, minus 162 for the Braves. Over-under is eight. I like the Phillies to jump out to a two nothing lead here. I'm going Phillies plus 136. Zach Wheeler has been so dominant the last couple of years in the postseason. I think the Phillies lineup is going to wake up. They were shut out for the first time, and I think like 155 games at home uh, in game one by the Phils. I think they're going to hit the ball. But Chase, what are you talking about? The Braves were shut out by the Phils for the first time in like 100. You said the Phillies lineup was going to wake up. I think the Braves lineup is going to wake up. Clearly, I need to wake up also. Uh, still got that UK time zone in my head. Um, I just think the biggest thing to me is, you know, we're, we're seeing in general a lot of these teams – the Orioles on their are down two nothing. They had the buy. Phillies dropped game one. The Dodgers dropped game one. I think these teams are struggling with rest in general. Freed hasn't pitched in like two and a half weeks, and to me, a blister on the pitching hand is a real issue. As good as Freed is in the playoffs, I think that's going to be a real problem. This Phillies lineup is hitting the shit out of the ball. They're so confident. They have that swagger they have this year. Last year, I like Phils plus one thirty six. Bad podcasting, but I agree with everything you said. It's uh, I, th- this. There's something. It's not, it's not bad podcasting if it's good analysis. Well, I ha- I can't contribute any analysis. People people tune in for my analysis. I, the Phillies. There's something special with this Phillies. This whole last two years, or I guess since honestly since they fired Girardi, uh, 
they just have the atmosphere and the vibes you want in your professional sports team. Like you see any sort of Philly highlight, you see them in the dugout. They just seem when uh what what was that MLB campaign? Let the kids play. The Phillies are the team embodiment of letting the kids play because that is a team that has fun playing baseball. They're a team that recognizes that they are playing a sport for a living, and they're just a bunch of dudes hanging out and hitting the shit out of the ball. They're dancing I, on. The yeah, I I think they're going to win again, and I I had the Braves winning this series. I think I was wrong. And I think it helps considerably to every point you just made. Just to echo off that, it helps when you not only have a generational player on your team, but you have a generational player who time and time again shows that he is the unquestioned leader of this team, this city, and will step up in the big moments over and over and over again. He is the, uh, he's not the unquestioned leader of that city because as I, a part of my parlay yesterday, the, uh, the Eagles minus four, uh, Jalen hurts, Jalen hurts has a, I think him and hurts are above and beat. I, I think, I mean, they got to get your team to a championship. You got to get your team to a conference final, at least. Got to get your team to a conference finals. Um, but no, I, I think there's just something special going on in Philly right now. Um, so, I, yeah, take them. Honestly, at this point, I, if you gave me over over one half win, point five wins this series for the Braves, I think I'd take I think i like Philly to just kind of win three in a row here and send the Braves home. Yeah, because if they win today, then it's Nola in a do or die game three for that Braves against Bryce Elder. The Braves, the Braves' opportunity was game one. They had to win that game one with Strider on the mound at home and they against Ranger Suarez, who were a big Ranger Suarez podcast. But that's the winnable game. That's the game you circle as a pretty much all right. We got the buy. Are we doing any more picks tonight? Yeah, we got, one. we got one. Right, more. Let's just go. Let's just go to that next one because I'll make a bigger point. All right, D-backs, Dodgers, Gallon versus Bobby Miller. It's games in the Dodger Stadium, one nothing. Dot D-backs. We'll talk more about the debacle that was Clayton Kershaw in the postseason yet again. D-backs uh, not favored to win the series. Plus one and a half, minus 154, plus 136 for the D-backs, minus one and a half, plus 128, minus 162 for the Dodgers. Everyone's saying Gallon's on the mound, Gallon's on the mound, Gallon's on the mound. D-backs are going to go up 2-0. I'm going Dodgers minus one and a half. What have you and I been saying since June? You can't, can't pitch on the road. You can't win the Cy Young if you can't pitch on the road. You think this Dodgers lineup, too, is going to be shut down two games in a row? I don't think so. I'm skeptical. I know Bobby Miller's a rookie, um, and that Dodgers bullpen is taxed, but they did have the off day yesterday, so everybody should be fresh. I think Bobby Miller's going to come out throwing gas, um, and I just think they get the gallon. And I, I do ultimately still think the Dodgers are going to end up winning this series, or excuse me, the Diamondbacks, but I think it's going to be 1-1 here. I'm going to take the Diamondbacks again. I, You know, when the team's hot, the team's hot. I, the, the, the Dodgers didn't just lose game one. They got utterly embarrassed in game one. And I know Gallon struggles on the road. And Bobby Miller was a fantastic rookie. But again, he's just he's still just a rookie. Uh, I'd rather – I trust Gallon more in this situation. And give me the kids to beat the, the – I'll take the Diamondbacks also. It's, it's what I was trying to say earlier, what I was about to – when you have this, do you think this buy is helpful, do, or do you think is it too much time off for these? Topics? And Rosenthal wrote about it today in the Athletic. I, it's hard to tell. I think it's going to become a moot point in a couple of years when they expand because they'll go to eight teams in the playoffs in each league, um, and it'll be best of three, best of five, best of seven, best of seven. Um, I I don't know. I, it's almost 
this is Rosenthal wrote this morning, and that kind of put it in perspective to me. These teams that are on the first round buy, this buy is longer than the All Star break. It's a long time, and for baseball players who are such creatures of habit, and you have that routine day in day out. You're used to playing 162 games in 180 something days. Having just a random week off before the most important stretch of the season doesn't really make sense. It's not football where you can benefit from the extra from the extra rest. It's not basketball. I, I, baseball is the one where you want to be playing, where the rest versus rust argument comes up. And baseball, I'd rather the. I'd, I, I, you, I want my guys playing. Yep. Not, I want them playing every day. It's what they're used to. It's what they're conditioned for. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's in none of this. I the uh, a road team took a game in all, at least one game so far in all of the uh, DS rounds. All right, let's talk about the wild card round. Let's start with the Rangers Rays series. Uh, game one, Glass now on the mound. Um, I think you took Tampa in this game, or did I take Tampa and you took Texas? I took Texas. All right, that means I guess I took Tampa um, and Jordan so Montgomery. Was our one disagreement. Jordan Montgomery absolutely shoved on the mound uh, in Game One. Rangers beat the Rays four nothing in the best Game One of the best of three series. Uh, rookie outfielder Evan Carter, who was MLB's number eight overall prospect coming into the year, he had two doubles, two full count walks, and a steal in the nine hole um, as Texas forced the Rays into four errors. Uh, Tyler Glass now left the game after allowing five walks and six hits over five plus innings, um, applying pressure the whole game. Um, Texas had some big opportunities, the biggest which came in the fifth. They had bases loaded, no outs, um, and then again loaded the bases with one out, but only scored one run there on a wild pitch. But the story of this game was Jordan Montgomery. Uh, six hits, five strikeouts, no walks, over seven scoreless innings. You know, the whole narrative was coming into the playoffs. Um, oh, they don't have Scherzer. They don't have the Grom. Who's going to be game one starter? Turns out Jordan Montgomery was that guy. I mean, looked every bit the part of an ace, shut down this lineup, seven scoreless, even made a great diving catch on a Jose series bunt att- attempt uh, with runners on the corners in the second inning. He threw more postseason innings on Tuesday than he did in his entire career prior, uh, which was six and two thirds. Uh, then the Rangers bullpen went to work. Chapman struck out uh, one in a one, two, three, eight. And Jose Leclerc worked around a two out walk in the ninth. For Yankee games, this was just Yankee fans. This was a comical game. Uh, Monty and Chapman going eight scoreless to shut down the Rays of all teams. Um, the Rays' four errors were the most in a postseason game in franchise history and the most since a four-error performance in July 2021. Yanks were the last team to commit four errors in a postseason game, having to done so in game four of the 19 ALCS. Yandy Diaz made an error. Rene Pinto made an error. Um, and the Rays were the first team to commit three errors in the first three innings of the game since the A's did in game three of the ALDS. Two um, two storylines coming out of this game. One, uh, you know, Texas, obviously, the big money signings have been the narrative the past year or so. Bochi in the dugout, you know, they make the trade for Scherzer. They take on that money. DeGrom, Ovaldi, Simeon, Seager. That should be the narrative. But you look throughout this whole postseason, the two best hitters, or I guess really the best two or three guys, Adoles Garcia, who they traded for and developed from the Cardinals, but Josh Jung at third, who started in the All-Star game. This kid, Evan Carter, at September 1st, Labor Day, he was playing in AAA. And he's lighting the world on fire. And this is why I think this Rangers team is here to stay, because it's the intersection of spending money and spending money on the right guys. I mean, everyone we just named is delivered. Avaldi, Simeon, Seager, et cetera. The ground and Scherzer, TBD. Yeah, but Scherzer pitched well for them down the stretch, at least. And Scherzer may come back. Which is um, the, and the crazy part is, you know, we haven't even talked about like none of their pitching prospects have hit the big yet, bigs yet. 
Jack Leiter, Mark Rocker, all those guys. So there's pitching help on the way. Um, but I mean, to talk about Jordan Montgomery, you know, look, when the Yankees traded him, it was a weird trade. Somehow the Yankees said they traded him because they didn't think they'd make their postseason rotation. He's doing this in game one. Uh, we're looking at a year and a half now where Jordan Montgomery has been a really good big league starter. He's 30 years old. He's a lefty. I mean, what do we put that Bavada over under at in free agency? Is Monty an $100 million pitcher? I don't think that's that crazy. It's not that crazy, but I'd still take the under just on principle. If a team gave Monty six for 100, though, would you say bad contract? I think I'd go. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of years. I'd, so, I'd put him more in like a four five for 80. Five for 80 range. But he's so earned. Like if he, if, let's see what the rest of this postseason looks like, but Texas should just keep him. The Yankees should get him back. The Yankees have a lot of other problems. We're not going to talk about the Yankees today because they're not in the playoffs. Uh, we're talking about them once briefly. Okay. Very briefly. Um, And then game two, I've been mentioning Nasty Nate, Nathan Avaldi. Avaldi down the stretch. I mean, he looked gassed. He looked like he hit that wall. First half, it was him and Garrett. Him and Garrett McClanahan were in the all-star and the Cy Young conversation. Um, but Evaldi deal on the mound, and then the kids came through. Evan Carter had their first his po- first postseason homer. Josh Dung, Jung, three for four, two doubles, and the Rangers beat the 99-win race 7-1 to sweep the AL wildcard series. Um, they're the sixth team in postseason history to hold an opponent to one run or fewer in a series spanning at least two postseason games. Um, the Rays entered the set riding a streak of 20 consecutive scoreless postseason innings, which they snapped in the seventh at 33 innings. So... Uh, we'll we'll touch on that in one second. Uh, Bochy became the fourth manager in postseason history to win a round with three franchises joining Bob Melvin, Dusty Baker, and Davey Johnson. He's also won 14 postseason rounds, good for third behind Joe Torre and LaRussa. Postseason, like Evaldi's one of those guys. I almost think of him as the American League version of Charlie Morton. We're like, they're always good in the regular season, but you know what I mean? In the postseason, like, you know, like, oh, Evaldi's got the ball. He's going to deliver. To, to be to give more credit where to Evaldi, he if he didn't get hurt, he very well could have been the side on this year. Evaldi has Evaldi has the best postseason pitching performance of the last five years that nobody talks about because his team lost. Evaldi, I mean, he if he didn't do what he did in that, the Red Sox don't win the World Series. He kept them up. He he saved their bullpen tremendously. Yeah, so he went uh, six and two scoreless innings. Uh, or sorry, one run, six and two thirds, struck out eight, um, 49 and two thirds innings in the playoffs, two nine ERA, eight strikeouts, no walks, 49 to eight um, strikeout to walk ratio in the playoffs and did not allow a base runner past first uh, through the first six innings and only needed 76 pitches to get to the seventh. That's a legit postseason ace. Um, and now it gets interesting. I mean, again, not to jump ahead. They are up to nothing, though. Um, they could close the series out at home in Baltimore or in Texas after winning two in Baltimore. All of a sudden, they get Scherzer back. Uh, that Rangers team looks very dangerous, but they dominated this series. And for the Rays now, you know, I, I guess what do we make of the Rays at this point? Because you can't say they're – it's hard for me to say they're a disappointment when they've averaged 100 wins over the last two years. But this is now two years in a row they flamed out in the wild card series. Um, I, this year, I almost give them a pass just because – This the was the year from hell for Tampa. Yeah, the fact it's like them and the Dodgers. The fact that both teams won as many games as they did with the amount of injuries they had. I mean, Glass now, um, Glass now missed the first two months of the year. McClanahan, Tommy John, Springs, Tommy John, Drew's like every pitcher known to man for them was pretty much hurt. Brandon Lowe gets hurt right before the postseason. Um, so this year I give them a pass, but 
it's almost like, you know, we think about the Yankees as that boomer bust team with the power. And it almost seems like the past two postseasons, the Rays have been exposed as that as a little bit. Um, I think that, you know, they got to just add some more pitching in the offseason to make up for these injuries. But it ha- it is worth considering that this is now two years in a row the Rays have flamed out in the first round after dominant regular seasons. I know I'm not supposed to talk about it. this race team is going to be this race team this offseason. They're going to have to reevaluate everything because the one big contract that franchise has ever given out is now is about to be off the books. They their cornerstone, the, the guy who was billed as the face of the franchise going forward. I don't even going to say his name, but he's not going to be part of the team. He's not going to be part of any team. So we'll see what they do with all that money. That That's they not true. He'll, be, he'll be a part of the uh, California penal team. I, I think he's going to be. I, I don't even think that they'd have him there. I I I I don't think any team would have him. He's a he's a very bad man. Uh, but no, that's a huge. I mean, but from a baseball standpoint, that's a that's a that's a huge loss for Tampa, and their entire future is now is now different. They have to pivot. Yeah, interested to see what they do. Um, but their season is done, and we will stick in the state of Florida, Phillies Marlins. Um, game one. You know, I, I mentioned it earlier. Zach Zach Wheeler is really I, I I can't believe I'm about to make two Charlie Morton comparisons in a row, but he's almost like the National League version his entire career of Charlie Morton. And that Wheeler was always that guy where the peripheral numbers were always great, but he was never healthy. Um, had that one really great last season with the Mets. And to be honest, the Phillies took a chance on him. I think it was five for one ten, and you know, it was seen as a gamble. They were banking on him make the next step. And boy, did he make the next the step with this Phillies team the last couple of years. I mean, 2021 finishes um, second in the Cy Young voting. That was, we both thought he should have won it, yeah. 21 or – yeah, 21. 21. Last year was a dominant postseason ace. Um, and this year did more of the same. In game one against the Marlins, six and two-thirds innings, one run, and a 4-1 victory against the Braves. Uh, Wheeler struck out eight. He walked none. He allowed five hits, two of which were infield hits, uh, and two more deflected off of infielder's glove. Um, Wheeler is a two five five ERA in seven postseason starts. These are th- th- this is a list of pitchers who Wheeler has a better postseason ERA through through seven starts. Jim Palmer, Smoltz, Whitey Ford, Seaver, Warren Spahn, Nolan Ryan, Steve Carlton, Maddox, Pedro, and Jack Morris, who is literally in the fucking Hall of Fame because of his postseason exploits. Um, Wheeler was dialing up. He was averaging ninety eight miles per hour in the first inning. Um, his sweeper was looking so dominant. Um, he had never struck out more than three batters in the game with the sweeper where he struck out five offense. They did just enough in game one to give him support. But uh, this game one was really the Zach Wheeler story. Um, Jesus Lozardo didn't pitch terrible um, for the Marlins, but overall the Phillies got to them early. Um, any thoughts from game one? No, I mean, I don't really have a ton of thoughts on this series. Phillies are a much better team than the Marlins. And the, the, Mar- the Marlins are a couple pieces away. It's a great job. I skipped down there. Nice. A great season, nothing to be ashamed of, but they're missing some pieces. Yeah, hold, hold that thought in a second. Uh, then game two, we're going to call this the Nola Bryson Scott game because uh, I love Bryson Scott. Bryson Scott crushed a grand slam, sent the Marlins. You love Bryson days. Scott or Bryson Stott? Bryson Stott. I don't know who Bryson Scott is, but I love. I, maybe I love them both. To Bryson Scott out there, much love. 
Uh, Bryson Stock grand slam in the sixth inning, sent the Marlins home. Phillies 7-1 victory there, securing the rematch with the Braves in the NLDS. Um, Nola, I had Nola in fantasy this year. It was a topsy-turvy year, but his last three starts in the regular season looked like he flipped the switch, and then we got postseason Nola from last year. Um, seven scoreless in game two. Um, it was the second time Wheeler and Nola pitched six innings and allowed one run or fewer in back-to-back postseason games. Uh, Schwarber and Turner knocked in runs in the third inning to give the Phillies a 2-0 lead. JT Real Muto homered to left in the fourth to make it 3-0, and then the start Grand Salami uh, made it a 7-0 game. Nola had three hits, struck out three, and walked none, and is the second pitcher in Phillies history to throw seven or more scoreless innings in a series-clinching victory, joining Cole Hamels in 2010. This, to me, was the biggest mismatch of the whole wildcard round. Um, If you were to say which was going to be the sweep, it would be the Phillies. But if you're the Marlins this year, you shattered all the expectations. They won 84 games. I have to think their Bavada over under was uh, lower than that coming into the year. I don't know the exact. Yes. <laughs> probably low 70s. And I'm interested to see what this team does going forward. I mean, they got the brutal news that their ace, Sandy Alcantara, who basically gave him gave them all he could the last two years. Uh, he's getting Tommy John surgery. More than more on that towards the end of the show. But all that said, I mean, between Lasardo, Yuri Perez, Braxton Garrett, um, I'm sure I'm missing missing a ton more young pitchers arise. This, by the way, the the first round of this playoffs will illustrate this was a hundred percent the Arias Pablo Lopez trade, a slam dunk win win trade for both teams. Um, You've been saying it since it happened. It was the uh, Sabonis for Halliburton. MLB. Yeah, it really is amazing though how this postseason illustrated how well that worked out for both teams. Um, Kimming, give her an extension. Skip Schumacher, give him an extension. The manager. Um, a great first step in the right direction for the Marlins. And honestly, look, I don't think they're going to spend a ton of money, but they showed when they're close, you know, getting Josh Bell, Jake Berger, they'll make the moves when necessary. And at the end of the day, this team, I still think has a really nice young core. Um, I mentioned the pitching offensively. You got to rise jazz and they bring back Solaire to lead them offensively. I don't know how much higher the Marlins ceiling is. As presently constituted, it's not. But I don't but I don't think this is a team that for any reason shouldn't be out of the wild card race come next year. I mean, I think they'll still be the third or fourth best team in the division, but I think that's just by virtue of the division. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you on that point. It's their floor is very high. They're a very, very solid baseball. They don't that's have better, that's they, a better way to say it. Their floor is incredibly high. They're lacking. I mean, a lot of teams are lacking superstars, but if Miami, it's Miami. And I have never, ever, ever understood my entire 25-plus years of life why more MLB free agents won't won't go to Miami. I'm a, It's probably ownership that doesn't offer them the money. But if they're ready to compete and they make an offer, I guarantee that stars would go to Miami. And now that they're close and competitive, maybe, maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the core. This is it's a different regime down there. Maybe this is the time they go all in because they really – I mean, is there an obvious piece? Are you saying Otani to the Marlins? No. I'm saying a team like that with so much young pitching and such a good farm. And to your point, if they're willing to spend money, they'll get people there. Juan Soto. I was thinking I was thinking Soto. Oh, boy, would that be – I mean, Soto and Arias at the top of an order. Oh, my God. And, and, and I'll throw Jazz in there, man. Jazz was hurt this year, but I'm still a Jazz believer. And the other – I mean, what, what – yeah, and then Solaire behind them, Solaire and Berger just mashing. I mean, we talked we, we we talked about the Sandy loss being huge. Sandy was not good this year. Sandy really didn't have a great year. 
it's I just like as yeah, I'd, I'd say they'll be right around the same 84 wins next year without doing them anything. Uh, but they're a move away from really competing for that. Uh, they're, they're a move away from competing with the Phillies in the race. If they make yeah, if it's I, I, I'll put it this way. I think like the a lot of the teams that lost in the wild card round, like the Rays, disappointment. The Blue Jays, who are about to cover, disappointment. The Brewers, big disappointment. Um, if you're the Marlins, you're the only one of these four teams that I think can hang your head and be like, hey, we got to the dance. This was a very successful season for us. Yeah, and I'm usually loath to just commend teams for making it to the postseason, but the Marlins are a rare exception. All right, so let's talk about that Twins-Blue Jays series and why I think Pablo Lopez was such a win-win. Um, they won 3-1 in game one, the Twins over the Blue Jays. This snapped a 19-year postseason game winless streak. Uh, their 18 straight postseason losses over that span was the longest in MLB history. Um, they had gotten winless in six postseason appearances since defeating the Yankees in game one of the 04 ALDS, lasting 6,938 days and postseason series in 04, 6, 9, 10, 17, 19, and 20, five of which were AL Central champions and 13 of which came against the New York Yankees. Um, the Twins had a lead at some point in nine of the 18 losses, and two of the three losses to the Yanks in the 4 ALDS were by 1-1, both in extra innings. So um, during that 19-game postseason winning uh, losing streak, every other team in the majors won at least two playoff games. Um, and to put into perspective, the drought spanned three managers, Garden Hire, Molitor, and Badelli, all of whom made the playoffs. Um, Royce Lewis... Uh, was pretty much born that year. Uh, he's 23 years old. Pretty I had other. Born that year. I had other. I had other fun tidbits, but I guess they didn't make them into the notes. Um, so Royce Lewis broke the seal with a home run in the first, then drove home the point uh, with another in the third inning. Uh, so he had two home runs, and then Pablo Lopez um, looked like the Johan Santana ace. Five and two third innings, one run. Um, Lewis, as I said, homered in the first, and then when he hit his second home run, um, that joined Carlos Correa's off-balance spur of the moment, do-or-die home to keep the Blue Jays off the board as the game-changing plays of this game. Uh, Lewis is the second Twins player to hit multiple home runs in a postseason game, joining Gary Gaetti in Game 1 of the 87 ALCS. He's also the second rookie in club history to go deep in the playoffs. Um, and he joined, as I said, Gaetti and Longo as the only players to homer in the first two playoff appearances. At 24 years old, he's the youngest player to homer for the Twins in the postseason since the franchise relocated to Minnesota in 1961. And he's the 10th rookie to get the multi-homer game in the playoffs and the 10th to go deep multiple times in his first career postseason game. So this game to me, there's two main storylines. One, Royce Lewis was the first overall pick in, I want to say, the 2017 or 2018 draft. And he was always hammered by injuries. This kid's going to be a star. Um, I mean, the Grand Slam thing was kind of fluky this year, but it's a cool tidbit. But this guy, Shoney, is a flair for the big moment. And if it wasn't for his health, he probably would have been doing this sooner. Um, young kid, I think he's a Minnesota native. Is anyone a Minnesota native? I'm looking at that up right now. No, he's from California. So not a Minnesota native. Uh, born in 99, so not born in 04. Uh, but all that said, he delivered. And then Pablo Lopez, look, this is why they made that trade. They knew, Ari you knew what Arias had, you know, he won the batting title last year, but they needed pitching. Um, and Lopez absolutely delivered, showed up to the stadium wearing a Johan Jersey bullpen, took it from there to help, uh, 
you know, get this done. And then that led to game two where the Twins are moving on in the for the first time since 2002. Uh, 2-0 win over the Blue Jays Wednesday in front of a sellout crowd at Target Field. Only the 2020 Braves allowed fewer runs in a playoff series of two or more games as they blanked the Reds in a two-game sweep there. Um, Sonny Gray, he allowed um, no runs, five scoreless innings. Bullpen took it from there. The big pivotal moment of that game was in the fifth uh, when Sonny Gray picked off Vlad Jr. at second with Minnesota up to nothing. Uh, Carlos Correa had noticed earlier the crowd noise would prevent runners from uh, getting back to third base uh, when the coach told them to get back. So huge pickoff move there. Only kind of adds to the postseason allure of Carlos Correa. Um, not a particularly exciting offensive game. I mean, the no. the Twins themselves had seven hits, one RBI. Um, Bo Bichette made an error, so one earned run, one only one earned run uh, for the Blue Jays, but Sonny Gray delivered. Bullpen took it from there. I don't, I don't really tend to second guess postseason managers when it's not my team. Part of it is just lack of interest. But what did you make of Jose Barrios getting pulled after three plus innings, forty-seven pitches, three hits, one earned, five Ks? This to me was a classic example of you got to manage with your eyes, not the, the analytics. I know they want Kikuchi in to face a certain pocket of hitters, but. Barrios looked good, and it was a revenge game. It feels like they kind of did him dirty here for a pitcher that they've already promised $138 million to. I thought it was fucking stupid. There was a comparison on Twitter comparing that to the pulling Snell in the World Series. And it's, again, it's just, if you're a pitcher, you know your players better than the numbers. Just You have to let these guys pitch when they're pitching well. And Barrios was deep. Barrios looked pretty good. You take him out, you can't put him back in. Like That's what... It seems like managers forget you cannot put these guys back in when you pull them from a game. Once he's out, he's out. And this guy was dealing, and you just you, you trusted the numbers too much. And this is why people go crazy with these analytics because it takes away from the actual playing baseball component of baseball games. So this Twins pitching staff, which has been good all year, but they dominated this strong Blue Jays lineup. What do you make of the Blue Jays going forward? I mean, they've made the playoffs both years under John Schneider, but it, it feels like they kind of – Fell in both years instead of being the juggernaut that they should have well, been. The, the problem they got jumped in the AL East power rings. They were supposed to be the Blue Jays division for the next decade, but the Orioles just took it from them. I, I just don't know. It's like how much more does this team elevate? Like the pitching was great this year. Uh, again, I've been bashing them all year, but I think I think this team has hit the ceiling unless Vlad takes another leap. And I know it's easy to pick on them because that pickoff was so egregious, but. I mean, Gausman's going to finish top three or four in the Cy Young vote again. Berrios bounced back tremendously. Chris Bassett was a 200-inning guy. The bullpen was good. Jordan Romano was an all-star again. Bichette was leading the league in hits. I, I hate it's, to say it ever comes down to one player, but until he makes that leap, I think this team is going to be a low 90-win team that keeps getting bounced in the wild card round. Well, it's it's what you've been saying all year. It's Bo Bichette's the best player on this team. And for this team to go far, Vlad Guerrero Jr. has to be the best player on the team. He has to... Re- what you, it was 21 when he lost to Otani at MVP? Yeah. He needs to be that Vlad Jr. for this team to go to the World Series. I mean, this Blue Jays team, I look back. I picked them to make it to the World Series, I think, for two years in a row now. Because you look at this team on paper, there's no reason they shouldn't be great. I don't know if it's a leadership thing, but uh, in my mind, honestly, even more so than Tampa, they've been the team that's underachieved come playoff time the most the last two years because – this team has as complete of a roster in the as any team in the American League, and this is two years in a row now. They got bounced early. By teams that I don't think are – I mean, Minnesota is what they are, and they can make me eat it if they go to the World Series. Again, but 
I, I don't think this Minnesota team's a juggernaut. Last year's Seattle team certainly wasn't a juggernaut. Toronto, on paper, is the juggernaut team. And they, I still will, I'm sure we'll be in the same spot next year looking at these rosters on paper, picking the Blue Jays to win the East and go far in the playoffs. But maybe we shouldn't do that anymore. Maybe that's why Bavada keeps taking our money. Yep, I think they need some kind of shakeup for sure. Uh, let's talk about the last wild card series: the Blue Jays and the D bat or the Brewers and the D backs. Um, D backs bats came out against Corbin Burns. Uh, they hit three home runs to win Game One, six three uh, Tuesday night. Uh, Corbin Burns was handed a three nothing lead. Uh, they scored once in the first, the Brewers, and twice in the second off Arizona starter Brandon Papp. But then in the third, Corbin Carroll hit a two run homer off Burns. Could tell Marte followed with a blast on his own in the very next pitch. Gabriel Moreno took Burns deep in the fourth. Wow, uh, two Corbins. Yep, and it's 23 years and 43 days old. Carroll became the youngest D-backs player to hit a home run in the playoff game. Um, and then once they got the lead, the bullpen took over from there. Um, six and a third scoreless innings. Uh, the Brewers had the bases loaded with one out and Tyron Taylor at the plate uh, with D-backs clinging to a 4-3 lead with Yelich on deck. And then this was the Longo play. Taylor smoked a ball that looked like it was heading for left field and at least one and not two runs, if not two runs. Uh, Longo leapt to his feet, snared the ball, fell to his knees, doubled Willie Adamas off at second base to end the inning. Uh, an incredible play there. And then Longo made another heads-up play one inning later, fielded an infield chopper by Willem Contreras while charging across the infield. He bobbled the ball while taking it out of his glove. Uh, but Longo was alert enough to see that Yelich had rounded second too hard, flipped the ball to Cattell Marte, who tagged out Yelich. Uh, he was originally called safe, but upon challenge there, he was ruled out. Um, a couple takeaways for this game. One, Boo earned. I'm just not sure he's that guy who's a big game pitcher. And and that's why Woodruff was so big to this team, because Woodruff showed down the stretch last two years. You give him the ball, he's going to deliver. I'm not sure Burns is that guy. No, me either. But I, so this is what you missed by not watching the game. Props to your boy, Lavello. Because right before that Longoria double play, um, I forgot who was pitching for Arizona, but he 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 hit he hit the Brewers batting. Lavello challenged that that hit by pitch, overturned it, and set up the double play, allowing them to get out of that inning. My guy, I love Tori. He's a UCLA guy. Oh yeah, and he was the night he. I mean, he let me talk to him for a half hour in the dugout at Dodger Stadium. The man, and I saw him and Mookie Be- he, Mookie Beth loves him so. Yeah, Tori's just a good dude. Um, that, I mean, the Lago game, obviously, and Corbin Carroll's just going to be a star. Corbin Sterles, Carroll's going to be a star, and Cattell Marte continues to be supremely underrated. Diamondbacks have a lot of they're Could they scrap it together and make a run here? I have no make a run here. Uh, but they're, I mean, how good, what is Corbin Carroll's ceiling? A perennial 30-50 guy. Crazy, but true. He wasn't that far off from it this year. No. Uh, and then the D-backs in game two uh, beat the Brewers 5-2, won their first postseason series since 2007. Looked like early the Brewers might push this to a third and decisive game when they scored a pair of runs off Zach Gowan in the first. Uh, Gowan found his footing after a 30-pitch through-pitch opening frame, shut down the Brewers over the next five innings. Uh, D-backs rallied hitless by Freddie Peralta until Alec Thomas' two-out homer, two homer in the fifth. Uh, they then put a four-run six together thanks to a two-run single by Cattell Marte to go ahead 5-2. Bullpen came up big. Rookie Anthony Salford came on in a bases loaded one-out situation in the eighth, got out of it with no one scoring. Um, in two games, Arizona relievers threw nine in the third innings and did not allow a run. So the Brewers go home early, and I think I mentioned it last week. I thought the D-backs were going to win the series as soon as Woodruff uh, was hurt. 
because to me, Woodruff was the real X factor that gave them an advantage. Um, the D-backs, I mean, this was huge for them taking care of business how they did because it allowed them to pitch Merrill Kelly in the first round of the division series round. To me, this series was over as soon as they lost game one. I mean, game one for the Brewers, Corbin Burns against Brandon Pat. Like, I can't even say his last name. You needed to win that game. They lost. Um, how do you think at all this affects the Bavada odds of Craig Council returning as the manager of the Brewers? Because, That's again, they make the playoffs every year, but they now have David Stearns in New York to maybe lure Council in. Um, and at the end of the day, they've only made it past the first round once in 2018. Yeah, that 2018 – that 2018 Brewers team, people forget how close they were to beating the Dodgers. Normally. They were up 3-2. Up 3-2, and I want to say they had 6-7 and seven at home, or am I, on, am, I, am I on something? That seems wrong, that they'd have more wins than the Dodgers. Yeah, that seems incorrect. Uh, but no, I, the match of the competition for Council. Um, the relationship with service is going to help. It's a draw. And when you manage in a mid-market city like Milwaukee, there's re- there really is a ceiling. There really there there seems to be a ceiling there, and it looks like Council has hit the ceiling. And to his credit, he stayed at that ceiling for a very long time. It wasn't a it's not it hasn't been a fluke one off with division title. They've been, I think when the, have they been in the playoffs five of the last seven years, five of the last six years? It's five of the last six. I mean, they're consistently in the playoffs, but they don't. Have, again, it's what I it's the exact same thing I said about the Marlins. They don't have that one piece. Uh, to the Brewers' credit, what they have over the they have an elite, elite one, two, three in the rotation when everyone's healthy, um, and a shutdown closer. They had two for a while, so they have that super. They have they they do something awesome. And usually, when you build it, when I'm looking at teams, I want to have at least one awesome thing on my team. Whether it's an awesome pen, an awesome rotation, awesome power, awesome speed on the bases. Some things to lean on when all else fails, and when you're relying on three guys like they did, I mean, and one of them goes down, it's a, it's over. I mean, what what can they do with that Woodruff, like you said? So I still, I, I still think, even though I agree it's good to have elite things, the, the move I'd make in the offseason is I'm trading Burns. I, I think this team needs to get a rebuild. I think you're, they need to. You're, you're not going to be able to afford him long term, and honestly, I don't know if he's worth paying long term. You don't know if he's. I mean, I think you have to. I think Burns is great, but I, 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 again, he's shown time and time again the last two years he shrinks in the big games. If you are Milwaukee, Burns a free agent after this upcoming season. Yeah, you can't let him walk for nothing. Whatever you do, you can't let him go out the door for nothing because then you are in. I mean, because then what? What separates you from the Pirates? What separates you from the Reds at that? Like you are, you're in without him. I'm, you've been saying this for a while. I'm calling Houston and offering them up to the Astros. I've been saying that since I want to say last season and a half. So finally, welcome to welcome welcome to the Burns to Houston. God, could you they roll out? Or, or honestly, if they think that they can re-sign them, I'm calling the Yankees. Orioles. Let yeah. Him be, yeah. Let's do that. Move on. All right. To the division series. O's Rangers. Um, I mentioned that rookie duo of Josh Jung and Evan Carter, and they powered the Rangers offense to a 3-2 victory over the Orioles in game one at Camden Yards of the ALDS Saturday. 
Um, Carter had a ribby double and Jung had a solo homer and that was each of their only hits of the game, but they were two of the biggest knocks of the day for Texas. Both now four extra base hits this postseason, which is tied by the most by a rookie in their first three postseason games with Luis Arias and Charlie Keller. Um, Carter played 23 regular season games with the Rangers and in the first three games of his postseason career, uh, with two walks and a ribby double, he became the first player to reach base three times and three straight playoff games before turning 22. Uh, his fourth inning double put the Rangers on the board first and made Carter at 21 years and 39 days old, the third youngest player in postseason history with four extra base hits in a three game span. Uh, only Miggy and Juan Soto were younger. Good competition or good, uh, people to be in good competition. Jung's home run in the sixth would ultimately be the game winner, and he became the third Rangers rookie to homer in a postseason game, joining Carter and Mitch Moreland. Jung has collected an RBI in each of Texas's first three postseason games, which is tied for the third longest streak in club history. And um, Kyle Bradish, my guy, was great for the Orioles. Just they ran the pitch count up, but he went four and two-thirds, gave up two runs, struck out nine. But the Rangers' bullpen, which has been rightfully destroyed all season, uh, they came through here. Um, Andrew Haney gave three and a third innings of one run ball. And then Dunning, Will Smith, Josh Boards, Chapman, and Jose LeClerc went five and a third innings of one run ball. Um, there were some late game heroics that could have been uh, in play here. Gunnar Henderson led off to, uh, led off the ninth with a single. And then he tried to steal and Jonah Heim absolutely cut him down with a perfect throw. looks like it was a miscommunication. Should have been a hit and run. Um, Brandon Hyde pretty much said itself, but then, you know, from there Rangers got out of trouble, steal game one there. And uh, again, to me, uh, we mentioned game one, game ones and a must win. This was a must win to me for the Orioles. I mean, Bradish, Bradish post like May, end of May, mid-May, it's been one of the best starters in baseball. Honestly, I think number two starter in the AL behind Garrett Cole. I'm ready to make that proclamation. Um, was just so bad the first month or so of the year. In fact, him getting rocked against Texas um, was what led him on the injured list for a little bit. But credit to the Rangers, young kids. And, I mean, look, Gunnar Henderson is going to be so special. Perennial all-star potential is going to be rookie of the year this year, but you can't make that mistake in the ninth inning. Um, but credit to the Rangers' bullpen. Uh, you know, they've been bad all year, but they really came through when it mattered here. We players play, but doesn't it feel like it's a, bo- it's a little bit of bochy? Oh, of course. I, I said it to I, – I was either saying it to you or I said it to one of our friends, maybe my dad, and I was just like, yeah, you can't bet against Boach in the postseason. He doesn't always get to the dance, but once he gets to the dance, you know his team's going to make a run. And, I mean, this whole – I know I said I wasn't going to talk about the Yankees, but as a Yankee fan, this AL postseason is brutal. Watching Chapman actually work himself out of trouble and not give up the homer. Hicks had five RBIs yesterday. I was going to say, just wait till game two. I mean, Hicks yesterday had a three-run homer, or sorry, two-run single and a three-run homer. He had five RBIs. I mean, do you want a sneak preview of a tweet that's really going to make you cringe? This is from from Hoodie Maven. Aaron Hicks had five ribbies yesterday. Since October 6, 2020 in the playoffs and 61 playoff appearances, Aaron Judge has five RBIs. Oh, I saw that one, and I, I, I thought I misread it. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, but it was a must-win game because now, I mean, the Rangers, incredibly, they're the first team since the 2020 Astros to win their first four road games of the postseason. They won yesterday, uh, final score 11-8. But again, the Hicks runs late. Uh, this game was 9-2 at one point, and it was over in the third, fourth. It, I think it was over, in my mind, in the third inning. Um, Houston, though, did that in the bubble. So you have to go to the 2018 Red Sox, uh, who won the World Series, to be the first playoff team to win their first four road games. Uh, Mitch Garver. 
Mitch Garver barely plays anymore. Jonah Himes is a starting catcher, but Mitch Garver once upon a time was a 30-homer all-star catcher for the Twins. He delivered yesterday with a huge uh, grand slam in the third inning to give Texas an early 9-2 lead in an eventual 11-8 win. They're up 2-0 in the series. It was the second postseason grand slam in Rangers history, uh, joining Nelson Cruz's walk-off in the 11th inning of Game 2 of the 2011 uh, ALCS. Only 33 home runs went over the left field wall at Camden Yards this season, the fewest in MLB ballpark. Uh, Garver's Grand Slam, which was the fifth hardest hit home run of the year, would have been a homer in all 30 ballparks, a no-doubt Grand Slam. Uh, and his five ribbies tied a postseason single-game record by the Rangers, joining Cruz and Michael Young. The 11 runs were the second-most runs the Rangers have scored in a postseason games, joining 15 in Game 6 of the 11 ALCS. And the Orioles led this game early. Um, they got to Monty early. They took a 2-0 lead um, with three hits and a walk in the first inning off Monty. Texas then punched back with a five spot in the top of the second before Garver broke it open with a grand slam in the third. Rangers took 11 walks, which is the most po- in a postseason game in franchise history. Tenth time that's happened in postseason history. And Corey Seager, even when he's not swinging the bat, making damage, uh, five walks, postseason record, Um you know, Grayson Rodriguez, the rookie, was so good in the second half of the year. Again, this was the one concern for the Orioles is they didn't have that bona fide ace. As good as Bradish is, I wouldn't say bona fide ace. And then behind him, it was, you know, John Means was ruled out this series. And then behind him, it was rookie Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Gibson, your boy Flaherty. Um, the Rangers' bats just came to play here. They went down early. They didn't give up. I, I mean, at this point, game three is in Texas um, and nasty Nate of all these getting the ball. Uh, to me, I think I'm taking on um, Bavada. I think I'm betting that the series is going to end in a sweep at this point, um, which sucks because the Orioles hundred wins this year. So fun, so exciting. But I just think in Texas with the on the mound, the Rangers got this. It's tough to make a case for the Orioles based off uh, the games that have been played. So any sort of case for the Orioles is just about the vibes. And I'm not ready to make that case. Um, I, it's tough because you win 100 games, you have home field throughout the AL, you feel like you should be in the World Series and anything short of it is a failure. But for this team to go from where they were two seasons ago to 100 wins, I still think this season's a success. Oh, 100%. Because, again, I, I think – really, I think what this is – or this thing I led this morning, this series is a tale of two deadlines – um, the Rangers got Scherzer, they got Chapman, like they had needs and they identified them or else at the end of the day, all they did was get Flaherty. Um, so again, I think the Orioles hopefully spend money this off season, but regardless of what happens, yes, this team took a much bigger leap than anyone expected. Um, and if you had said to the fans, you'd make it to the division series round and win hundred games. I think every single Orioles fan would have signed up for it. It's bittersweet knowing what actually happened, but that's baseball. You just have to contextualize it. Look, this Orioles team. They lost 110 games two years ago. I mean, this turn, you, I can't in my life. In, I'm trying to think across sports a turnaround this drastic, this quickly. And nothing's really coming to mind right now. Nothing. And they, again, like I said earlier, they have jumped the Toronto Blue Jays, everyone's beloved baby Blue Jays, uh, as the future of the AL East. And they still have, and they're positioned in a way, unlike Toronto, to make a move. They have... They haven't signed it. They don't have any long-term money on the books, right? Not that I can think of. So, I know Baltimore, I mean, they could, would I be, I wouldn't be shocked if they come back and win the next three. They've been, they're the best team in the AL all year long, but I wouldn't expect it. 
I'd also be betting against the fact if I take the Rangers to sweep, the Orioles are the only team in baseball that hasn't been swept this year. No, they're due. And we know how that their due logic's worked out for us in the past. All just food for thought. Moving to the other American League series, Astros Twins. Um, Astros, amazingly enough, they were the first team to win the division with a losing record at home since the 01 Braves. None of that matters in October, though. The defending World Series champions in Game 1 rode six scoreless innings from Verlander, a leadoff homer from Jose Altuve, two home runs from Yudon Alvarez to beat the Twins 6-4 in Game 1. Uh, the Astros approved the 12-0 at Minute Maid Park in the ALDS since the start of 2017, including seven consecutive Game 1 victories. Overall, they are 19-5 in the ALDS since 2017 there. Verlander, I mean, again, this is the difference between Verlander and other guys, um, Leighton Kershaw. Uh, oh, can we, we'll do that comparison after. we we got to touch it on Kershaw. Nothing seemed comfortable early for Verlander. He escaped James in the first and second innings with double plays. Uh, but all told, this was a classic Verlander postseason start. Six innings, four hits, three walks, six strikeouts, 93 pitches, uh, 17th career postseason win. Is too shy of Pettit for the most in history, so... Could conceivably break that this year if the Astros make a run. Um, Altuve amazingly didn't have an RBI in any of the Astros postseason games last season. Rectify that immediately. Crushed the first pitch he saw from barely over and homer to left. His 24th career postseason homer. Um, his eighth first in, his eight first inning playoff homers are the most of any player in any inning in baseball history in the playoffs. Uh, Alvarez made a 3 nothing with a two-run homer in the third. Added a solar homer off lefty Caleb Telebar. Uh, that was the first lefty home run that Caleb allowed all year. Uh, after the Twins had cut the lead 5-4 after back-to-back homers from Polanco and Royce Lewis. Um, Astros' bullpen picked up Hector Neris. He gave up four runs with Brian Nebreu and uh, Ryan Presley, sending down the six twin hitters in order. Presley's 12-for-12 and save chances in the playoffs and hasn't allowed an earned run in the postseason in his last 16 appearances. And now two of his 24 postseason home runs uh, trail only Manny Ramirez all-time there. I've never seen a guy, and I know I mentioned how he failed last year in the postseason, but I don't think I've ever seen a player rise to the occasion like Jose Altuve. It's 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 why people can mention the trash can shit. I mention it more than anyone. If this guy's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, fuck that. It's incredible. He's I, the the Altuve career retrospect is going to be fascinating because I, I I think for a while in the 2010s people tried to. Now, this is going to sound blasphemous, but I think I've done it before. You were trying to paint Buster Posey out to be this generation's Derek Eater. I think, Altuve, I think it's Altuve. All he does is play in the World Series. And, and the Altuve, the most fascinating thing is like those first five, six years of his career before he won the MVP. He, he was, was like, He was like, or I was going to say, that, yeah, like an Arias Rod Carew type where he was just spraying the ball over. He's going to finish his career with like 300 homers when all is said and done. You can't, he's. He's he's and fantastic. Not, and not with sacrificing the average. He's smaller. He's significantly smaller than I am. He's, I mean, I feel like he's the baseball player I could pick in a fight. Um, he's, but all this guy does is hit. All he does is hit. All he does is hit in clutch situations. And all he does is win. So hats off to Altuve. Trash cans are, I mean, like you said, you gave up on bringing it up. It's a thing of the past now because this guy is proven. He proves it time and time again. It's fascinating watching these uh, watches. I don't want to step on tweets of the week. I don't know what you have in there, but all these postseason leaderboards, all time stuff, all the it's, it's overrun they're, by this. Well, they're, the new, they're the new core four. That and um, the only other thing I'll say about this game. I mean, we'll do the Verlander Kershaw comparison in a bit, but um, Jordan Alvarez might have the best left-handed swing I've ever seen. 
If you were starting a baseball team today, if you if you were doing one of those two K mock, mock drafts, fantasy drafts, near the top, all he does is just crush the ball. It's right, right. It's honestly, I think for me, the four best left-handed swings. I don't count Griffey because I feel like by the time we saw Griffey, he was kind of at the end of the road. Um, I'd say Poppy Jordan. I have to say Harper and Canel. Boy, people, I, I, I will forever defend Robinson Canel. I love that guy. I love Robinson. Don't you know Robbie Cano? So the Astros, Verlander, and now the Stars lead into a game one victory. They got Jordan on the mound in game two with, or not Fromber. Jordan, um, Fromber, one of their other stars. And uh, Fromber just continued his topsy-turvy year. He did not have a great start. And Pablo Lopez showed yet again why this was a win-win trade. Um, him and Carlos Correa showing off why he's one of the best postseason players ever. Uh, Twins take game one, 6-2 to put this game tied, 1-1 going into Minnesota. Uh, Correa moved into a tie with David Justice for third all-time in postseason ribbies with a ribby double and a two-run single there. Um, his 63 postseason ribbies now trail only Bernie Williams and Manny Ramirez atop the leaderboard. Pablo Lopez became the third pitcher in club history with seven scoreless innings in the postseason start, joining uh, Johan and Jack Morris's Hall of Fame clinching game seven start in 91. Um, again, pretty straightforward formula here for the Twins. Correa had a two-out first inning ribby double off Fromber, which gave the Twins their first lead of the series. Uh, when Minnesota had a chance to add to his lead in the fifth, Correa once again stepped up with a two-run bases-loaded single that knocked Fromber out of the game. Uh, Correa threw for four, two doubles, single walk, three ribbies. Eight for 15 across the Twins' first four games of the postseason. Even Correa defensively has been so unbelievable. I, I mean, he threw a guy out at home against the Blue Jays. There was a the pickoff play. This is, again, this is why with the Twins, I know the regular season was what it was, but this is why you sign a guy like Carlos Correa. Because you know once you get into the dance, he's going to be bringing his A game. Do you think the Twins have a shot in this series? Hold on that in one second. Um, and, you know, we've mentioned Pablo Lopez twice. 2-0, and 12 and a third innings, one run. Do you think even in their wildest dream when they made that trade for Arias that they thought Pablo was going to be doing this? Probably not. I mean, going into shoving it down Houston's throat in Houston is... It's again, it's like you shrug your shoulders and you're like, yeah, Arias hit 354 this year. Pablo Lope, the Twins have won no postseason games since 2004. They've now won three in a week and Lopez won two of them. It's something. It's... So who's Halliburton and who's Sabonis now? I think Lopez is Sabonis. Well, who's better from the Halliburton Sabonis? I think as of right now, I'd say Sabonis because he got the Kings to the playoffs. But Halliburton's got the longer up. Yeah, I would. Well, some I don't know. It's really just every Pacers fans, Kings fans, Marlins fans, Twins fans. Enjoy your, your new players. To answer your question, do I think the Twins have a shot? Um, I'm Bavada right now. It's Christian Javier, Sonny Gray, plus one and a half, minus 184, plus 118 for Houston. Minus one and a half, plus one, two, minus 138 for the Twins. Sonny Gray has been really good. I think he's going to probably finish second or third in the Cy Young vote. I can see the Twins taking this game. Verlander comes back in game four, I think wins that game. And then it's a do-or-die game five where it's a crapshoot. I think the fact that it's in Houston and the playoffs still gives Houston the edge, but I think the series is going to go the distance. But And like I said, game five is a crapshoot. So do I think the Twins have a shot? Absolutely. 
I, I just I don't know. I, until somebody knocks off Houston, I, I can't I can't pick Minnesota against Houston. Minnesota of all twin of all teams. Imagine if it's the Twins. I just can't. And then what? And then are we going to call this Minnesota thing a team of destiny? And then I feel like that's kind of how it's shaping up. It's not that indifferent than the two Kirby Puckett teams that won World Series. I kind of want a Twins Braves rematch because that '91 World Series is the forgotten all time, all time great. Is it? I mean, there's a guy that's literally in the Hall of Fame because of that series. Yeah, but it doesn't get talked about a lot. Fair enough. Um, D backs, Dodgers. So both the National League games, uh, they've only been one games. And holy crap, after years of playing Little Brother, uh, the D-backs let off a lot of anguish and a lot of steam. And they beat up Clayton Kershaw worse than Kershaw's ever been beat up before in an 11-2 win. Um, the first five hitters who went to the point played against Kershaw, here were the exit velos. 115.7, 109.6, 99.4, 105.7, and 110.8 miles per hour. Um, the D-backs scored five runs that inning, uh, punctuated by Gabriel Moreno's three-run homer. By the way, D-backs won that trade big time, it's looking like. Yep. Um, food for thought there. They're going to score six in the frame and Kershaw would leave having retired just one batter. Uh, for good measure, they had a three runs in the second. And although they would play seven more innings, the game was essentially over. Uh, Merrill Kelly was 0 and 11 with a 549 ERA and 16 regular season starts against the D bat uh, Dodgers in the regular season. No pitcher in history had entered a postseason start with a worse winless record against an opponent. And then, of course, he became the first Dodgers uh, D backs pitcher since Randy Johnson and Miguel Bautista in the 01 World Series to go six scoreless uh, in a postseason start. Six and a third scoreless there. Um, in the top of the seventh, Alec Thomas fell behind Michael Grove at one and two. Uh, he made history there by homering uh, on a 14 pitch at bat, uh, which was the most pitches in a plate appearance ending in a homer in a postseason since pitch counts were tracked since 1988. D-backs hit the shit out of the ball. Um, but let's talk Kirsch. He recorded just one out. Six runs, probably the worst start of his career. First pitcher in postseason history. Worst start of anyone's career. First First pitcher in postseason history to allow five or more runs before recording it out. Of the 35 pitches he threw, he got just five swings and misses. All seven balls put in play against Kershaw were considered hard-hit balls with 95 miles per hour or higher exit velo. It's the seventh time in his career that he allowed five or more earned runs in a postseason game, and it's the first time he's given up six runs in a postseason since the seventh frame of game one of the 2014 NLDS. Dodgers are the 16th team in postseason history to game, lose game one of a postseason series by nine or more runs, and only six have come back to win the series. Um, I mentioned how I think the D-backs could win this series. Um, we mentioned it kind of in the Bavada pick of the week. I, I, To me, this is the biggest toss-up of all of them because I just can't give up on this Dodgers team quite yet. Um, but, I, you know, Kershaw, again, he said he's not hurt. He said it was simply command and location. They needed him to be the guy in this series or at least give him five innings. They only won a third of an inning. Obviously, with the rest day yesterday, it doesn't make as much of a difference. But I just at this point hope this isn't the last time we see Kershaw on a big league mound. So we do. We do, This is our favorite debate: we power rank Scherzer, Verlander, Kershaw. I think after last night, you have to put Kershaw third. So and I have, my, I have my answer. His postseason has been. Hey, I can't. I he won the World Series in the the bubble series, but time and time again in the big moment, this guy this guy falls that falls flat. I mean, and that that game one start is an anomaly because that's historically bad for anyone, not just Kershaw. But I trust 
for me, the new rankings, I have Verlander one, Scherzer two, Kershaw three. Kershaw is the best regular season pitcher I've ever seen in my life. And that's how I'm going to answer this question from now on. But if you ask me to rank those three guys, it's Justin Verlander to me, far and away. He's got the yeah. three Cy Youngs. He's got the MVP. At 40 years old, he's a Two couple ranks. years older than Kershaw. He went six scoreless in game one of a postseason series. He's still doing it. I watch Verlander, and again, he seems like he seems like a guy who could pitch until his mid-40s because he seems like he's – it's almost – it's, again, it's throwing versus pitching, and he just seems like a guy who knows how to pitch. Uh, so it's Verlander number one. I didn't watch any of this game because it started at 8 o'clock Eastern. What time did it start Eastern time? 9.20. All right, so that would have been 2.30 in the morning Pacific time or UK time. When I woke up in the morning and saw this, I saw your text, I was stunned. It was shot. I don't even think I watched that much of the game. By the time I wanted to turn it on, it was over. It was in, it was insane. So, but yeah, I love Kershaw so much. This always hurts me to do, but if he keeps doing this, I'm gonna have to. I gotta calm out on his shit. He keeps getting blown up in the postseason. So we'll see what happens if the D backs come back there, and then. Braves Phillies. I mean, we'll mention game one. I, I think we both thought the Phillies are going to win the series now. So we mentioned that, but uh, Rob Thompson, to his credit, uh, the, we, we, how many jokes have we made over the years about the Phillies bullpen? Um, it's not even jokes. The bullpen cost them time and time again. And in game one, uh, they won three, nothing with the bullpen coming through uh, Ranger Suarez uh, opposed Spencer Strider Um and yeah, we went to the Phillies game two years ago, and they started pulling out relievers. Neither of us have heard of them. They're just making yeah. up names. I think they had like a Pegasus Stellaris out there. Suarez went three and a third uh, scoreless innings, retired 10 of the first batters he faced, but with runners on first and second and two outs in the fourth, uh, the Phillies went to their bullpen because they knew high velocity could natch, could help neutralize his Braves lineup. Um, their relievers averaged an MLB best 96.3 miles per hour on their fastball this season. And they Braves on fastballs 97 or higher slug 396 this year. Uh, Jeff Hoffman opened the relief relief parade, walked Ozuna to load the base, and then struck out Marcelo Zuna to end it. Um, and then from there, San Anthony Dominguez, um, he went the fifth. And then it went Jose Alvarado, Orion Kirkering, Matt Strom, and Craig Kimbrell each put up zeros there. Um, Strider has dominated the Phillies in the regular season, seven and Oh, two on one ERA, uh, in the regular season versus Philly. Uh, but Bryson Scott, Bryson Stott laced an Oh, two fastball to left field for a two out ribby single on the fourth. Bryce Harper hit an 115.3 mile per hour home run, uh, to make it two nothing, uh, which was the highest exit velo hit that Strider had ever allowed in his career. Um, and Strider pitched well, I mean, seven innings, one earned, I think he struck out eight, uh, the other run was on a pickoff move that he screwed up. The other run scored on a catcher's interference. Um, JT Real Muto uh, hit the glove of Sean Murphy. Strider delivered, but credit to this Phillies bullpen. Rob Thompson manages game to per, uh, perfection. Stock came through again. Harper with the big blast off of Strider. And we mentioned it earlier. I think the Phillies have all the momentum now. Um, this was the Braves' first time being shut out at home since August 28, 2021. That's a long time ago. They should never be shut out with that lineup. They have the best, their nine hitter put together the best nine hitter season of anyone ever. It's, I think this one's more about the Phillies and the Braves. The Phillies, whatever that unquantifiable, that intangible, it is, the Phillies have it. All right, right now, let's make our uh, ALCS, NLCS predictions. ALCS, I'm going, 
uh, AL West State of Texas matchup, Houston yeah. versus the Rangers. Um, and in the NL, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm going to count out the Dodgers. I'm going to go D-backs, Phillies. I'm with you. It's, I mean, it's in a best of three series, it's really easy to just take the team that took game one. All right, we got a bunch of managerial news. Uh, a lot of this was, was made official this week, but we haven't talked about it yet. Um, Terry Francona, he announced this week that he's officially stepped down by his, for his role as club manager. Uh, again, this retirement was expected since the get-go. Um, he'll remain with the Guardians organization, though his exact role going forward has yet to be determined. Interestingly enough, a guy I thought was going to be a favorite for the job, Sandy Alomar Jr., he just said, I want to stay on as a coach, but I don't want to manage the team. So that, to me, opens it up a little bit, and we'll talk about that in a second. But Terry, one of the most under-the-radar all-time greats ever. Uh, I don't think he's under the radar. Oh, whole, I'll ask you that in a second. Um, managed with the Phillies from 97 to 2000, uh, was out of the game for a few years, and then emerged with the 04 Red Sox. They won 98 games, were down 3-0, broke the curse of the Bambino, won the World Series in 04, uh, and then he managed another seven series in Boston, seven seasons, uh, made the postseason four more times, won a second World Series in 07, uh, finished his tenure as Boston's manager with 744 wins, good for a 574 winning percentage, took 2012 off, then joined Cleveland as twenty in 2013 as the manager. In 11 seasons, nine winning seasons, six playoff appearances despite payroll restraints. Uh, for 2016 to 2020, they made the playoffs in four or five seasons. 2016 run, they made it to Game 7 of the World Series. They were leading against the Cubs, but alas, Terry broke one curse, but he couldn't break two. Uh, 587 winning percentage there uh, during that stretch. And all told, he wraps up his managerial career with a 1950 and 1672, 538 winning percentage over 23 years as a big league manager. Um, three-time manager of the year in Cleveland, finished second in 2017. He's one of just nine managers to win the award on three or more occasions. Two rings, three pennants. Uh, basically, he's going to just go home and get healthy now. Again, he's been battling hip ailments. He was in the hospital last year with some blood clots. So a lot going on with Terry there. Um, all, all said and done, though, you know, where does Terry rank on the pantheon of all-time managers? Uh, he's high up there because that 04 World Series counts for – that almost counts for two or three. That definitely counts for more than one, winning it 04. I mean, this I'd probably I'd still put him behind Tory. I'd put him behind. I'm I had a take him. I was thinking about in the shower. I'd put Terry Francona ahead of Bobby Cox. I'd put him ahead of Bobby Cox. You've got two rings. I, I, I think, four one. I think in the last fifty years, I'd put him. I'd put him behind. I'd put Tory. his two ahead of Bochi's three. I'd put him behind Tory. I'd put him behind. I'd Tony. Put him behind Marisa. And I'd put him behind Earl Weaver. So I think fourth best manager of the last 50 years. He's also the guy from, I mean, he better than all those other guys. I feel like he got the most out of the least. This whole running in Cleveland was outstanding because they never had the best team. They never had the best team, not once, uh, the best roster. But he got them. I think they had a crazy winning streak one year. They made the World Series. He did a lot with a little. He got Kluber to multiple Cy Youngs. Um, so great career if this is, and it most likely is it. That's off today. Gonna fly oh, into the hall. Hopefully, I mean he's old and kind of sick. So hopefully the writers don't fuck around with him. Put him in. No, I think as soon as he's eligible, it's gonna be like when Tory Cox and Cox went in. They'll he'll fly. Everyone loves him too. He's beloved. Yeah. 
All right, let's talk about another guy, uh, another managerial opening, and then we'll loop these two together to talk about the candidates. Uh, Phil Nevin, as you said last week, the 52-year-old is officially out in Anaheim, took over on an interim basis for Joe Madden in June 2022. Uh, He joined the coaching staff earlier that year, um, and this year was a bit of a disaster for the Angels, obviously. Eight and three run coming out of the all-star break, led them to push the chips all in, get Gilito and Ronaldo Lopez. They almost immediately crumbled. Lost seven straight from the deadline onwards. Uh, went 17 and 36 in the season's final two months, including with a 73 and 89 record there. Um, all told, Nevin finished well below 500. But again, I, I don't know how much of that is his fault necessarily. This year, it seems like everything that could go wrong in the second half did go wrong. Uh, and the Angels have been churning through managers. I mean, Sosha um, stepped down at the end of 2018. They had Osmus in 19, Madden for a few years, and Nevin. So this is their fourth manager since the 2018 season. They don't know if Perry Massimon, the GM, will be there long time, long term. Um, so let's loop these two jobs in together because, you know, I, I think the Guardians have a much quicker path to the playoffs long term than the Angels because I believe in the pitching and I just believe in Chris Antonetti and that front office more. Um, sucks. Yeah. I First of all, I think Phil Nevin definitely is going to get a job on someone's coaching staff. I think he yeah. belongs in a dugout for sure. Um, who do you like for both of these jobs? Anybody in general? I I, I don't know what they do. Angels are such a wait and see what Otani wants to do. I, I can't I can't make any predictions without Sandy knowing. Just seemed like such a slam dunk hire for the Guardians. I'm surprised he didn't want the job. I read on Twitter somewhere Kevin Cash. If he wants out of Tampa, Cleveland makes sense for him. He's Terry's guy. He's Terry's guy exactly. I mean, I, I think if you're the Angels, you have to go full rebuild at this point. And this is where I'll throw my Chavez call out there. So, but again, I, it's, I don't know. They're both, I, I wouldn't, if I was in, these aren't jobs I would particularly want. So for the Guardians, I'm going to go with Joe Espada, the bench coach of the Astros. Um, a guy, bilingual guy, which I think is big in the Guardians clubhouse. Um, has been with the Astros since 2018. He's been their bench coach the last few years. Uh, has also coached for the Yankees. So, uh, I mean, again, this guy's been a coach now. Marlins, Yanks, Astros has been a part of a lot of playoff teams. Um, and I think he could bring a good, even-keeled vibe to that dugout. And then the Angels job? I'm going to say Buck. <laughs> I don't think we've seen the last of Buck. Uh, I feel like we've seen the last of Buck. He's not that good. Like, he just he keeps losing, which is why I don't think he's that good. Yeah, I think the Angels' job, though, it's impossible to tell until we find out about Otani. And Trout, for that matter. But I do feel like Trout is a little bit Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens there. Uh, two other pieces of managerial news. Managers who are going to be back. Yankees, no surprise. Andy Martinez, Andy Martino of SNY did say Aaron Boone's going to be back, bearing anything unexpected when the front office uh, meets with their outside hiring firm. Um, Boone's expected to be involved in those meetings. Aaron Judge pretty much voices support. So sounds like Boone is going to be back this year for his age 50 season. Uh, again, you know what? I think coming into the year, I would have felt much more anguish about this, but I think Boone did the best job with this team that he could this year. Um, I hopefully the Yankees retool next year. And then if Boone still doesn't get it done, you got to make the switch there. But uh, again, if Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge who are the two most important players on this team, speak out in support of Boone, you have to bring them back. Because we're seeing it now. Pete Alonso is losing his mind. That buck left. And the Yanks just can't afford that. I mean, sure. Why not? All the, the Yankees have two players on this roster worth keeping, and they're both locked up forever. Something needs to change in the Yankees clubhouse. In the, something needs to change. There needs to be a humongous change in this organization. And 
easiest one to do is the man. Another manager uh, who's staying put is Bob Melvin. There were rumors that he could be a candidate for the Giants open job, uh, but AJ Preller said that him and Melvin will be back in 2024. And I think, look, Melvin's a good manager. I think for Preller, this is it, do or die. If your team doesn't get it done this year, you have, you're out of excuses. You're out of excuses and you're out of a job. This has been like, I feel like he's been spending recklessly for a while now, and it's fun. But th- this project seems too good on paper to be with there. I agree. Uh, and at least, at least they finished above 500, but yeah, they've they've just spent and spent and spent and traded and traded and traded. Eventually needs to have results. Uh, two pieces of GM news. Billy Epler has resigned from his position. Um, Mets owner Steve Cohen said that Epler led this team through an 100-win season and postseason bird last year and he will be missed. Uh, everyone decided to hand over full leadership of baseball ops to David Stearns. On behalf of the Mets organization, we wish him all the best. This was not a surprise. Uh, President of baseball ops takes over. Um and again, David Stearns probably wants to bring in his own guy, his own GM. And I, I think Epler will be remembered fondly by Mets fans. He built the team that won 101 games. Um, and then when the wheels fell off this year, he did a very good job at the deadline, I think, in rebuilding that farm pretty much on the fly. Um, so credit to him there. Where this gets interesting, though, it's because he resigned to avoid being a distraction to the club during an ongoing MLB investigation that they allegedly made improper use of the injured list. This Big is not- this is now what the third Mets GM in a row who's resigning under scandal. It's unbelievable. They big just winner. can't help themselves. It's the the Wilpons are the big winner here because for all the Mets fans that tried to blame them for their problems, it just seems like it's a cursed franchise. And the funniest part is if you looked across town, the Yankees aren't being investigated for this, and they so blatantly did it with Josh Donaldson. And I don't know what happened with Rizzo. If that guy had a concussion and played for two months, that's weird. Well, that's a little different than this from the standpoint of the Yankees just didn't place a guy on the IL. The Mets according apparently manipulated it. Um, it's all only, Mets. only get Mets to get caught with shit that everybody does. Classic. Uh, and Mike Hazen, he agreed to a contract extension uh, through the 2028 season with the D backs. Uh, Well-deserved there. His previous contract ran through 2024 with the club option for 2025. Uh, so there wasn't any real agency, but uh, he was a former Red Sox front office guy. And with the Red Sox president of baseball ops job open, uh, the D-backs worked to lock Hazen up. Look, Hazen, you know, the Goldschmidt trade was um, not a great trade there, but they've consistently been, um, you know, those first couple years with him. They made the playoffs for a couple years um, and then they rebuilt. You know, he kept Cattell Marte and Merrill Kelly. They made the playoffs this year. And under his watch, I mean, they traded for Ga- Gallon, Guriel, Moreno, drafted Corbin Carroll, made the trade for Christian Walker. They got Jordan Lawler and Drew Jones in the pipeline. Uh, To me, Hazen's one of the best GMs in baseball. This allows him to stay close to his sick wife in Arizona um, and a well-deserved extension. Uh, Torrey should get one next and keep that core together as long as you can in Arizona, I think. Everything in Arizona, arrows pointing up. Let it ride. Agreed. Arrows pointing straight up in Arizona. And two guys where the arrow is pointing down. There are only injuries for the week. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, as we mentioned, Tommy John surgery. Um, no pitchers thrown more innings than Sandy's. 619 over the last three seasons. Uh, only Garrett Cole's taking a heavier workload going back through 2019. Um, he leads the majors to complete games over the last three years with 10. Um, and again, he posted a sub-4 ERA every year from 2019 to 2022. This year, again, a 28 starts, 414 ERA. So, as you mentioned, not as dominant, but still a huge blow for the Marlins there after locking him up. He's and- awesome. He's he, he's a unique talent in the big 
right He's now. Good old school baseball player. Um, then the other guy getting Tommy John surgery, Kyle Wright for the Braves. Um, he's been pretty much hurt the whole year. He threw an inner squad game Wednesday. Uh, an MRI exam led to the revelation he would need surgery on his elbow. So for those keeping track at home, our injuries of the week um, are the NL Cy Young winner last year and the only pitcher to win 20 games in the National League last year. Go figure. Braves pitching, that's what's going to cost them. I think it's kind of – you know what this Braves run is starting to kind of remind me of? Let's say they bow out to the Phillies here. The old Braves? No, I was going to say the the 08, that late late aughts Phillies run where they win the World Series and then they start pushing all their chips in and they never get back. Yeah, you know what it is, though? I, I almost think, though, this season was just inopportune timing. Like, again, Morden gets hurt the last week of the year. He's unavailable here. Freed gets hurt late. Like, again, they had these injuries in May. I don't think we bat an eye, but they didn't have it in May. So. They're batting lots of eyes. Agreed. All right, tweets of the week. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, third pitcher in Rangers history with a scoreless postseason start of seven innings or more, joining what other two lefties? I have no idea. One, one you should get. That it? No. Nope. What was the what was the question? Third Rangers in postseason history with a seven plus inning scoreless start. Okay, so I definitely misheard the question. Yes. Um, uh, I would guess Cliff Lee. Yes, and did Hamels do it? Another lefty, but not Cole Hamels. This guy did it in the World Series, eight in the third scoreless innings. Great mustache, similar to yours. Uh, Ranger with a lefty mustache similar to mine. Yeah. He was on that 2010 or 2011 team, I would have to imagine. They're only what teams. country is gold member from that causes them to say, isn't that weird? Belgium? I'm from Holland. Isn't that weird? Derek Holland. Yeah, I, that was not. You, you could have given me a, a You could have given me the hint, Derek Holland, and I would not have gotten it. Uh, Evan Carter's the youngest batter in MLB history to reach base safely four plus times in his postseason debut. From off the spat stats, Corbin Burns and Devin Williams for the Brewers allowed six earned runs and five walks with three home runs uh, in game one. No other team in MLB history has had all star pitchers from that season allow those numbers in a postseason game. That's how you lose games. Today marks the first time in MLB history that three players under 25 homered in their postseason debuts on the same day. Royce Lewis, Corbin Carroll, and Gabriel Moreno. Uh, and Royce Lewis had multiple home runs, drove in all of his team runs, and drew a walk, uh, which no other player in MLB history has done in a postseason victory. He did it all in his debut. Number one pick for a reason. Uh, minimum 40 innings pitched. Uh, who has the lowest whip in the postseason history now? It was Mariano Rivera. I, I it's not a Baldy? Zach Wheeler. Huh. Um, the Phillies had nine players with a hit in their win against the um Marlins. It's tied for their most in a playoff game in franchise history. This is from Codify. Three of the four wildcard games yesterday finished in 166 minutes or less. Of the 220 postseason games from 17 to 22, only six finished in that time span. From OptiStats, there have been 245 instances all time where there were at least four series in a given round of the MLB, NBA, or NHL playoffs. It's the first time all of them ended in sweeps. 
That, that's like a that, that's a fluky stat. The, the, most series aren't best of three. The Brewers are the second team in MLB history to have a multi-run lead at home in each of the final two games of a postseason series, but lose both by three-plus runs, joining the 3 Bartman Cubs. Oh, Bartman. The wild card round this year scored teams combined to average a total of 5.8 runs per game, the lowest average runs per game in a single run to the postseason since the 83 LCS. Oh, it was 83 Phillies Orioles? Yeah, that was that World Series. They're saying there's a chance. The Phillies are now 24 and 11 in the postseason at Citizens Bank Park. That's 686 winner percentage stands as the best record in the postseason for any team in any park, minimum 20 games, ahead of Shea Stadium and Bush Stadium number two for the Cardinals. From Sarah Langs, uh, the 03 D backs joined the 09 Yanks, 08 Rays, and 56 Dodgers as teams to win with multi run comebacks in each of the first two games of a postseason. This is from Jason Stark. Players with 100-plus postseason hits, 20-plus homers, and 50 doubles. Jeter, Manny, Bernie, and Altuve. Yeah, Tuve's going to be on all these lists forever. To put into perspective how bad it was in the Kershaw start, Tommy Pham had three hits for the D-backs before the Dodgers' nine-hitter even hit. Tommy Pham's not, uh, not particularly good. Kershaw joins Mike Fultonevich, Gil Harita as the only three pitchers with a third of an innings pitcher less and six plus earned runs allowed all time in the playoffs. Ah, the Kershaw bashing hurts, but it's justified. The Phillies became um, the looks like fifth or sixth team in baseball history, joining the Braves in 2020, Padres in 2020, Guardians in 2022, and the Astros in 2022 as the only play teams in baseball history with shutouts in the postseason with seven or more pitchers. That catcher's interference in Game One of the Braves Phillies season was only series was the second catcher's second bases loaded catcher's interference call in postseason history, and the first in 98 years. Catcher's interference doesn't happen very often. But when it does, it can like it's just kind of a weird one. So Gunnar Henderson, when he got caught stealing um in the ninth inning of the postseason in game one with his team down a run, joined Babe Ruth, Paul Molitor, Billy Bates, D. Gordon as the only players to do so. Not a bad list to be on, but it's a bad uh, outcome for the Orioles. Um from off the stats, most game with three plus RBIs in postseason history. Correa eight, Ortiz eight, Bernie Williams seven. All these Astros guys, man, they're just going to rewrite the record. But. From MLB metrics, in the regular season, the AL East had the most combined wins for a division in MLB history. They're currently 0-6 in the playoffs. Yeah, that's what – all that matters is the playoffs. Game one of the division series, I guess we could have tabulated these Bavada odds, but if I had just said coming into a playoffs series – or coming into the playoffs in general, that 300 win teams would lose on the same day, probably would have gotten pretty long odds on that. Not us. Um, the combined attendance for both Rangers Rays games was thirty nine thousand nine hundred two. Tampa, I'm done defending you. Give get rid of the team. I, I actually, I, I, I will do the rare defend Tampa thing here. But it's very, very tough to have a surprise playoff game in the middle of the work week in uh, like three in the afternoon. That's a scheduling thing that I am going to have to give them somewhat of a pass on. Because you 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 find out on Sunday that your team's playing three o'clock on a Tuesday, that's not that's not that's not great. Still bad optics. The optics are terrible, but what do you say? Take off work, bunch of game one of the wild card round. 
From MLB Life, the Astros are expected to serve the below amounts of each food at uh, each postseason game. 5,200 hot dogs, 5,000 bag of peanuts, 5,000 buckets of popcorn, 3,000 orders of nachos, 2,500 pretzels, and 2,200 burgers. So can I actually talk about the Astros food? Sure. If you've been seeing – I've seen this a couple times on my Twitter timeline that people are raving about this Astros – this Astros Bloody Mary cocktail that they're passing that they're hand, that they're making for the playoffs. Have you seen that? I have not. Anyway, the Rangers do it all year long. So they're just cop the Rangers do the exact same thing with a bunch of shrimps. And I don't know why Houston's trying to get credit for opening up for the postseason. Whereas the fucking Rangers do it all year round. They're just copying. Chase, I sent you a picture of, of the uh of the Rangers Bloody Mary mix. I mean, yeah, I sent it via text. The Astros are basically doing a worse version of that and parading it around. That looks so good. Those shrimp are so big. What's that Bloody Mary mix cost me? 35 bucks. That's it? Yeah. Damn, we got to go to Texas. And last but not least, speaking of Texas, this is from John Boy Media. The Texas Rangers outscored the Dallas Cowboys 11-10 today. Fuck you, Dallas Cowboys. Amen to that. Any concluding thoughts for this week's podcast? I know we covered a lot today. A couple rounds of the postseason. A lot of managerial mixes. Uh, next week will not be as long, I promise. That's all for me. I'm. Uh... Uh, my concluding thought would be um, to anyone special out there who has a special event this week, we just say congratulations from the show. Yep keeping it deliberately vague. I'm sure we'll touch on it more next week. But in the meantime, enjoy playoff baseball. NL tonight. Got both series tomorrow. With Bryce Holden, my name is Jason Bedorsky. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball.